I'm going to talk to you today about the fundamentals of triumph, and you could also call this message Champions for Christ. Say it with me, I'm one of them. Come on, say it, Champion for Christ. Doesn't that sound a whole lot better than loser? Failure, hallelujah. I tried, but I came up short. No, Champions for Christ. We've been looking at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. I'll read this, and I want you to go with me over to Romans 8 in a minute. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. I want you to know that God has called you to be a champion. God has called you to be victorious. God has taught, called you to triumph in Him. And there are certain ways that we do that. There are certain principles that if we follow, uh, we will be. Just like in any sport or any endeavor in life, if we follow certain fundamentals, we're going to be the ones that are standing on that victory podium. Now go with me over to Romans 8 and listen to these powerful words from the Apostle Paul. I'm going to start in verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us... Who can be against us? Well, you missed a great place to shout right there. So I'm going to read it again. If God is for us, who can be against us? Is that not faith building today? To know that He's on your team. Hallelujah. Scripture says, He who did not spare His own Son... But gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God put his star in the lineup. Hallelujah. And how many know he knows how to play the game? And he played to win. And you and I are the benefactors of that. He goes on to say, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies Who is that he who condemns Christ Jesus who died? More than that, who was raised to life? And is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. How can you lose when you come to the mindset that he's praying for you? Say, he is praying for me. I love it when I hear somebody just casually say, you know what, I prayed for you today. I prayed about that service. I prayed about that outreach. I prayed about that ministry. And that's a wonderful thing because I'm telling you as a pastor, you can sense when the people of God are praying. There's an undergirding in the spirit that you can sense. But how much more realizing that Jesus is praying for me? You missed another good place to shout. Jesus is personally praying for you. Hallelujah. And he's not praying for your failure. Hallelujah. He goes on to say this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long yet. And uh, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Here's the answer. No. In all these things, we are what? More than conquerors through Him who loved us. Hallelujah. So come on, confess that boldly. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. 
Well, I got all these people against me. Well, they got this person at work. I got this person in the family. Oh, I'm dealing with this person over here. Listen, you have somebody on your team who is more than enough. Hallelujah. And if we'll follow his principles and his basics, we will live out our lives in triumph. Why? Because I believe this year there's a special anointing on God's people to triumph. I believe that God is going to give you overwhelming victory on display for all to see. I believe that others that have been picking on you and messing with you are going to watch you sit down at that table that the Lord has prepared for you. And they're going to know there's a God in heaven. And they're going to know there's a distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Those that serve God and those that don't. You just stay patient. Amen. You just keep doing what you're doing and watch God give you the promotion. Watch God move in your life. This means there is, in fact, the ability to have mastery and victory over any serious battle, conflict, or test. You're triumphing over those things this year. There is somebody, there is someone, there is something at your back this year pushing you across that finish line. It's a year of triumph. I said it's a year of triumph. All these things that looked like they were going to get to you, all these circumstances that look like they're going to overwhelm you, all these doors that were slamming in your face, all these people that were picking at you, all these things that looked like they were never going to fix, never going to get righted, but you're finding out this year God is turning it around in the year of triumph for you personally. Come on, just point to yourself and say, He's doing it for me. You know, if you're not careful, you waste the opportunity in the house of God to say, you know what? The Spirit of God is directing the pastor to preach. The Spirit of God is opening up that word before our hearts. I'm going to take that for me. Don't think it's for your neighbor or somebody behind you across the church or watching on the Internet. You take it for you. If God would orchestrate this day to have you be here on this day and under this anointing and under this word, you need to take that word for yourself. You are more than a conqueror and you're triumphing in the year of triumph. Hallelujah. It's going to be one for the books, one like no other. And listen to me carefully. Don't you be concerned about the pushback on you. You're witnessing the devil's last gasp in your situation. Don't be intimidated by that. Just stand. The Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. God never called you to flee. Your job is to what? Stand. Hallelujah. We're called to be champions. It's your calling. You're anointed to be a champion. There's God on flesh. Do what your flesh can't do. And he's given us the, the great insight about this. So how do I, Pastor, become a champion for Christ? What are the fundamentals of triumph today? Well, first of all, it's a thing called conditioning. And you can write this down. I want you to meditate on these all week long. It's a thing called conditioning. Nobody does anything great unless they have the proper conditioning. Now, the proper conditioning for the believer starts with a new birth. Let me put it this way. If you're not born again today, if you're not personally walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've not given him your life, you're in no condition to win. It starts with a new birth. 
But it doesn't end there. Then it, it goes to a thing called spiritual formation, where we're mature and strong in God. We're not blown around by every wind of doctrine and every voice that we hear. We're constant. We are stable. If we were to find you 40 years from now, somewhere in the body of Christ, somewhere in America, we would know, around the world for that matter, we would still see you strong because you've been well-conditioned. Amen? This means that we accept him, we give our lives to him, we experience the new birth, and then we spend our time growing up and developing and becoming what I would call a master of our environment. Now listen carefully. Our environment is different from other venues and different applications and and sports and, and business and entertainment kinds of concepts. Our environment is the church. To be conditioned is to have an expertise or a mastery over the environment that you are called to demonstrate your mastery in. What does this mean? Look, seasonal fans at a sports venue are not conditioned to win. They're just there to watch. They don't spend hours and hours and hours in the weight room, hours and hours and hours on the field. They don't get dehydrated and and throw up and push themselves to the max. All we do is buy a ticket and shuffle in and then complain when they don't perform well. (laughs) Or bark at the umps or the reps. But they, on the other hand, are conditioned. They have become masters in their environment. Look, if they are going to play in that game today, they understand what, what the opponent can do. They understand who can run on this side, who can run on that side, who's better catching on this side and at what distance. You know, who should I have blocked? What formation should I use? What kind of defense? can They are masters of their environment. They did not get to the Super Bowl without being masters of their environment this year. But listen to me carefully. You're called to be a master of your environment. Don't get mad at me now. Well, let me just put it to you this way. Tiger Woods did not become the greatest golf in history playing putt-putt every three weeks. Now, I wonder what he means by that. I'll just let you meditate on that. Putt-putt every three weeks. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and others did not become tremendous champions on the court by visiting Chuck E. Cheese every once in a while and throwing hoops in that little basket. (laughs) Michael Phelps is hands down the greatest swimmer to ever jump into the water. He didn't get that way going to Venture River a couple times this summer. What are you trying to say? I'm telling you that even though many Christians are born again, they're lacking the conditioning to be champions. They're not mastering their environment. They treat church like Chuck E. Cheese and Putt-Putt Golf and Venture River. There are too many Putt-Putt Christians, too many Venture River Christians, too many Chuck E. Cheese Christians, and they wonder why they can't win. You're not a master of your environment. How can you? 
And today you can't do anything about the masses that are out there just trying to turn, you know, church into a placebo, into a, a styrofoam bitten into things that doesn't satisfy. You have to make up your own mind. I am going to be formed fully in Christ, not just born again, but I'm going to become a master of my environment. As a swimmer, I knew more about the aquatics and the water and the temperature and the condition of the chemicals and the ventilation and the depth of the pool and how fast the pool was based on the depth, amen, and what advantage you got from a certain kind of a starting block, what advantage you got from a certain kind of a time system on the wall when you finished. I knew the A to Z about the sport. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I was a master of that environment and nationally ranked on several years, several occasions. I didn't get that way playing in the kiddie pool in the backyard. I did not become a master of my environment by accident. Purposely getting up 5.30 in the morning, making my dad drive us over to Carbondale, eating the breakfast of champions that he handed out, hostess ding-dongs. It's amazing that my generation has survived at all. <laughs> There's no such thing as a seatbelt. The seatbelt was how fast is mom's reaction time when she slams on the brake. <laughs> Seriously, it's amazing we survived. Rode our bikes everywhere, out in the morning and back when it got dark. It was a different time, a different place. But I can tell you this. What we need are believers that are going to say, you know what? I'm going to get born again. I'm going to give my life to Christ. But then I'm going to become a master of my environment. A master of the church. I don't want to be a Venture River Christian anymore. I'm tired of playing putt-putt and expecting you know, some kind of you know, consequence or, or manifestation. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and tell them conditioning means mastering your environment. Why is this happening? Because too many Christians, and I don't doubt they're born again. Some are not. But if they did what the Bible says, they repent of their sin, they believe Jesus was raised from the dead, and they say with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, confession is made into salvation. I didn't write that. God did. But just because somebody is born again doesn't mean they're forming in Christ. Why does that happen? Because too many American Christians want all the benefits of church with no responsibilities. And to tell somebody all they got to do is sit, come every once in a while, sign nothing, give nothing, do nothing. You're not forming Christians. They're not masters of their environment. And they'll never be champions that way. But look at somebody and say, my putt-putt days are over. Come on, say it like you mean it. My putt-putt days are over. Chuck E. Cheese is for the little ones. Hallelujah. It's a rite of passage if you're a young parent. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Number two is communication. There is somebody who knows the end from the beginning. There is somebody who knows exactly what to do in every kind of situation. And that's your Heavenly Father. 
And his voice is available by the Spirit of God today to talk to you and to me. Yet, I'm going to go there. Here I go again. It's 2020, and I'm going to bring up the one thing again. (laughs) We have to have that connection with our Heavenly Father if we're going to be champions. He'll be able to say, get up or sit down, go right or go left, go forward or stop. He's the one that knows where every position, whether it is a football field or a chessboard, he knows where everybody is supposed to be, and that can only happen by solid communication with him. We've got to hear from heaven if we're going to be champions. The carnal thoughts and ideas and assumptions aren't going to work in this kind of environment. You know, if you'll watch the game today, and I don't care if you watch it or not, I'm not a big football fan, I'm an eating food related to the football game fan. <laughs> just, just being honest. <laughs> One day a year, hallelujah, repent later, praise the Lord. <laughs> but but I've, I'm, I've never been that much into football. Of course, I spent all my time swimming and playing baseball. You can't do everything, obviously. But uh, the bottom line is that if you watch today, you'll see the head coach with a headset on. You'll watch the offensive coordinator. Defensive coordinator will probably have the same thing. Who are they talking to? There's another coach up there in the press box designated for the coaches who see everything on the field. What the tendencies are, what the weaknesses are, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong to make correction on the fly. And they'll radio that down to the field and the field will get it to the players. And that's how you win. Cut those lines of communication, and that team is in for a disaster. Or, if you're like the Houston Astros, just steal everybody's signals. (laughs) Moving right along. (laughs) The coach up there sees everything. Look at somebody and tell them, you are not all-knowing. You need somebody in the press box of your life. And you do. But is your headset on? I said, is your headset on? So when he talked, you can listen. Hello, hello. Amen. (laughs) It's important that you and I have unfettered connection and communication with the Lord who's calling the shots. Amen. Amen. I've told this before, but when we were building that second dome over there, the first was done. Dale Ramsey, who's preached here, who was my pastor in college. There are several of us with the two-by-fours holding the last triangle. It's made of triangles, and they're all bolted together. That's how the thing was designed and built. And we're underneath there like this, trying to, trying to fix that thing, make it fall into that spot. And Daryl's up on top of the dome, and he's yelling, it needs to go over here. It needs to go over here. And one of our members said, well, no, I can see it over here. It needs to go. And Gerald finally got really animated. Listen to me. I'm up here. I can see the whole thing. Stick it over here. And when we listened, it went plunk. God is the one up there who sees everything. And you're the one down there saying, I got it, I got it, I got it. Amen. Look at the mind and tell them God is up on top of the dome. I didn't play basketball, but my brother Gary played for a little while in <laughs> Little League. I believe this was in Heron, Illinois, if I remember the story right. And he was on a team, 
And uh, at some point during the game, he intercepted a pass. And in the flurry of activity, he began to run. And he's running to the 50, to the 40, to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. And he crosses the goal line. The problem is he crossed the other team's goal line. And when he got tackled, he was, they were issued a safety because he was tackled behind their line. And I remember what's happening is everybody is just cheering for him, or so he thought. They were not cheering. They're saying, you're going the wrong way. Turn around. But in his mind, oh, I must be doing really good. <laughs> Look at all the noise that's going on over there. Bless his heart, at the end of the season, they gave a special award out, and he was given the Bonehead Award. <laughs> Can I tell you something? If God gave out awards today, well, pastor today, you're about as subtle as a rock, aren't you? If the Lord was giving out awards today, would we get a Bonehead Award? Because we're going the wrong way. No, we, we need conditioning. Everybody say conditioning. And we need communication. But number three, we also need concentration. Nobody can accomplish anything without focus. When I think about this, I think about Joshua 1, how the Lord gave us the playbook. Did he not? He told us to meditate in it day and night, that we'd be careful to do it. Psalms 1 told us the same thing, didn't he? Let every word be confirmed by what? Two or three witnesses. That's plainly, the Bible is plainly the playbook, the rule book, the rule of victory and triumph for you and me. And yet the enemy does all he can to get us out of that and distracted by everything going on around us. Too many players in the church are being distracted and getting out of their focus because of things calling to them have nothing to do with what God is doing. God would issue perfect peace if your mind was stayed on him. The scripture says that the Bible itself generates peace. Great peace have they, the Bible says in Psalm 119, 165. Their love is what? His law. And nothing can make them stumble. Nothing can tackle them. He'd just run right through them just like Jesus walked through the crowds when he upset them. Are you here today? They're distracted. They're losing their focus. They're wandering. Their minds are wandering right in the middle of the game, right now. They're wandering. Their minds are going places they shouldn't go. You know, it reminds me when uh, Timothy was in T-ball. It was kind of fun to watch the kids play T-ball. It didn't make any difference what team you watch. There are always the boys or whatever in the outfield. And they were turning around trying to climb the back fence or playing with dirt clods or picking their nose and completely disconnected from what's going on down there at home plate. Look at somebody say, don't be that Christian. (laughs) But yeah, they're out there, you know, and all of a sudden the ball gets hit. Hey, Johnny, turn around, get the ball, get the ball, get the ball. And he's like. He's far more interested in that dandelion than picking the ball up. Amen. Have you ever been a parent? You've seen that? First time. It's amazing how much better you can do when you're actually focused on something. 
I, uh, I swam with some characters growing up. And uh, one kid, we'll just, we'll just call him Danny, we'll leave off his last name to protect the guilty. <laughs> but uh, Danny uh, had the most perfect form, breaststroke form, I'd ever seen in my life. May have been the most naturally gifted athlete I'd personally swam with in Carbondale. But Danny wasn't always focused. Let me rephrase that. I don't ever remember Danny being focused. Let me put it this way, he was focused on the wrong things for sure. (laughs) And so uh, we were headed on a bus to Belleville, Illinois, for a dual meet. That's just a meet, basically, between two teams, Belleville YMCA and Jackson County YMCA, Illinois, that I swam for. And we get down there, and uh, they pulled me out of my best event so I could swim another event to cover some territory, and they put him in my event because he would have blown the competition away as well. But when it's time for Danny to get up on the blocks, there was no Danny. There was a swimmer in lane one, two, three, none in, in four, and one in five, and one in six. The representative from our team was not there. When they called his heat to the block, Danny was down playing pool. The gun goes off. The swimmers enter the water. They get halfway down the pool. Here comes Danny running up the steps. Throws off his shirt, throws his towel on, jumps off the block, and then swims. And he still beat everybody. <laughs> I was there. I saw this with my own eyes. Could you imagine if he had ever been actually focused? Amen. Well, there are a lot of Christians down playing pool. And bowling. And pinball. The gun went off a long time ago. And about time you jumped off the block and got into the race? Uh huh. There needs to be concentration. Fourth is coordination. And that means teamwork. That means that nobody wins in isolation. No one is so good they can take on the other, the other side, the entire opponent by themselves. Lone rangers in the body of Christ can't possibly triumph. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that God sets the parts of the body where he wants them. They're given anointings. They're given gifts. They're even told where they're supposed to be. That's how God does it. But some people think they can do it all by themselves, either by absenting themselves from the environment of the church altogether or being in church but not really involved in partnering with others to accomplish what God has called them to do. Uh, It's not going to work. Could you imagine today a quarterback calling a play and then he starts to throw the ball but there's no receiver out there? Could you imagine a quarterback calling a play and all of a sudden his entire offensive line just decides to sit down instead of blocking for him? It's not going to work. Well, it doesn't make any difference how talented the quarterback is. It doesn't make any difference how great the running back is. It makes no difference how great the running back, you know, the the receiver is. There's no way that one man on a football field today can take on the other 11 on the other side and win. He may pull off a trick play every once in a while and gain some yardage, but at the end of the day, he's going to lose. And Christians that are not involved in relationships are not involved with teams They don't do very well in the long run. Look at somebody and say, we need to join the team. Need to get involved. Hallelujah. Say it with me. I am not a lone wolf. 
I can't win by myself. You say, well, I, I understand that track is, a, is an individual sport. Swimming is an individual sport. Blah, blah, blah. Can I tell you, that is a huge misnomer. Because while you may get up there by yourself and swim, and of course a relay event completely blows that theory out of the water because there are four on that team depending on each other. But in the individual events, there's an awful lot that goes on before that swim meet that takes place that turns that person into a champion. They don't get to be a champion because they stood up that day on a block. All the work that went into it before was critical to their success. There's coaching, there's dry land, there's weights, you know, there's extra pull time. There, you know, at some point in time when I was 11 years old, they started filming us underneath the water. And they'd be able to tell us exactly where we were losing hold of the water. It was costing us time and speed. Does that sound like you just get up there and just suddenly you're a success all by yourself? No. You become a master in your environment and you take advantage of what people know. And I had some brilliant coaches, and I had some that weren't so brilliant, but the bottom line is if you have your ears open, you can learn from all of them. A few years ago, there was a baseball player who played for St. Louis. His name is Colby Rasmus, and every time Tony LaRusso, the coach, told him, I want you to do this, 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 and this, and go in one ear and out the other, in frustration, he turned to Albert Pujols and said, would you talk to him? He's about to compromise his future with his team. Albert Pujols, the great hitter, one of the best of all time, couldn't get through to him. He ended up being traded. Are you here today? Well, you and I, there is no other team. There's God's team, and there's the devil's team. It's important that you're engrafted with other people that can actually help you. Say it with me. There are fundamentals to triumph, to being a champion for Christ. Conditioning, communication, concentration, coordination. Hallelujah. Come on, poke somebody and say you can't do it all by yourself. You'll never do it all by yourself. Amen. Last is commitment. If you watch the game today, some of y'all watch the game and turn off the commercials. Some of y'all watch the commercials and turn off the game. <laughs> uh, all of you will eat. Yes, amen. <laughs> but if you watch it long enough, it's going to go into halftime. And after halftime, it'll go into the third quarter. And what comes after the third quarter? The fourth quarter. There are a lot of believers that are not working and staying dedicated and diligent long enough to win. You need to stay strong and dedicated all the way through the fourth quarter of your life. If you were told that I work hard for a quarter or two, then I get to retire in the body of Christ, you were lied to. There are only two scriptural ways to retire in the body of Christ. One is absent from the body, present with the Lord. The other one is rapture. But this idea that I master my environment and I serve, and then one day I just sit on a shelf till Jesus calls me home, it's not scriptural. Does that make sense? How can someone win today if three or four of the players on the field on one team decide, I worked hard for three quarters, I'm done? They're not going to win. They're going to beat to the Pope. Some of you 
have played hard through three. Maybe you're even down the last four or five minutes in that quarter, and, and you're just you're saying, I just too much. It's I've had enough. Can you believe, Pastor, that I was out there serving God and somebody tackled me? Lean in, because this is deep. You play the game, you're going to get hit. Hello? Scripture says the righteous man falls seven times, but he doesn't sit there and go, wah. Here I was in your will serving you, and they hit me. They stabbed me in the back. They lied about me. They made this difficult. They undermined me. They pushed back. They didn't receive it. No, the righteous man gets back up again. And he completes the course that's assigned to him. That's what Paul said. You know what? I finished my course. He knew he was getting ready to leave this life. He didn't say, I finished my course in the first quarter. And a lot of people are doing this. I want to encourage you that no matter what hits you take or what pushback you get, you just have your mind made. I am going to go through all four quarters. I am going to be faithful, absolutely faithful, till that buzzer goes off. Some of y'all played intramural basketball. Some of y'all played basketball for real. What happens when time runs out? That horrible sound. That's when you get to stop on this side of heaven. Hallelujah. When that buzzer, that final one goes off. Until then, what do you do? You keep playing. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Conditioning. Communication. Concentration. Coordination. Commitment. One more time. Conditioning. Communication. Concentration. Coordination. And commitment. 